Welcome back. I'm busy here today with Dr. Alexander Saw. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Welcome to today's show. Thank you so much, Alan. So uh, just for the listeners, so I've had personal experience with you. You're my surgeon who helped to do a partial knee replacement, and uh, thank you very much. Of course. Uh, but for the listeners here, uh, can you give us the background of how did you get into deciding to be a surgeon, and, uh, and why don't you bring us up to what you do specifically today? Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me here. It's a great privilege to be part of this show, and and again, uh, thank you. It's it's uh, I look, I've been looking forward to it. My I have a long history in the medical field. I have a grandfather who was a physician, two uncles who are physicians, and my father was a physician. So I grew up around medicine. My father was actually a head and neck surgeon here at Washington Hospital here in Fremont. He did that for nearly forty years. He was chief of staff, he was on the board of the hospital, and he continues to volunteer at that hospital today after, reti after retirement. And my mom has volunteered there as well for close to 40 years. I was born in that hospital. So I actually was born at Washington Hospital and then did my training out east and then came back in 2008 to practice orthopedic surgery. So I've had a long history in this community and obviously a long history in that hospital uh, locally. So. I had a strong feeling I would go into medicine ever since uh, my childhood, and I've just been fortunate to be able to come back to the community where I was raised. So that's what makes our, our, our story somewhat special in the fact that we get to give back to the community that raised us and we grew up in, and we know so many of the uh, community members. So it's been a, a great privilege that many of my father's patients are now my patients or some of my patients will tell me that their children were patients of my father. So it's, it's great to see that even though we're in different disciplines, it's been a great honor to take care of those same community members. So you, uh, where did you intern at? You said you're on the East Coast. Sure, so again, grew up here, went to local elementary schools we were talking about, Parkmont Elementary and then Centerville Junior High, went to high school up in Oakland actually, but then I went to college out East in Philadelphia, Haverford College, which is a small liberal arts college. Actually, my father and my sister went there before I did, so a little bit of a family legacy there as well. I did my medical training in Philadelphia at Jefferson Medical College, and then my orthopedic residency and training at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. So after finishing the Harvard orthopedic program, went to Chicago for a one-year fellowship in minimally invasive hip and knee surgery, and that, that concluded in 2008 when I returned home. This minimally invasive surgery that you do is uh, very unique. And can you go into a little bit more detail about how that, uh, where, you, where you trained, who you trained under there? Sure. So I was fortunate in that both at Harvard and at Rush, where I was in Chicago for fellowship, I had some excellent mentors. And so during that time was really the revolution of joint replacement and changing from four, five-day length stays down to two-day length stays. And a lot of that was built upon better surgical techniques, uh, minimally invasive surgery, better pain management. And so learning from great mentors, I was fortunate to pick up on a lot of their, their techniques. Things have advanced even beyond that, so that now people after joint replacement are going home the next day routinely, or even the same day in some cases. So things have continued to evolve. But in my training, as you had mentioned, I was very fortunate to learn from people who had really started that revolution in joint replacement recovery. Yeah, the minimally invasive, I know when I went through, you had me walking stairs the same day. That's right. Is that a typical case? So things really have changed. So when I was in training back in the 2000s, after total joint replacement, hip and knee replacement, it was not uncommon for patients to lie in bed for a day or two. 
and to be in the hospital for four or five days. The majority were going to rehab centers where they're being taken care of on walkers for six weeks. So a much slower recovery. But then we gradually learned with this more rapid recovery after joint replacement and minimally invasive, minimally invasive surgery that people could ambulate sooner, could recover faster. And what we once thought would cause more pain and swelling, such as walking just hours after surgery like you did, it actually had the opposite effect. People were recovering faster. They had less pain. They were more ambulatory. And so that's why with modern day techniques, people can walk just a few hours after surgery and even go home in many cases. I'm visiting here today with Dr. Alexander Saw. He's a uh, orthopedic surgeon and practicing here in the Washington Hospital Healthcare System. And Dr. Saw, I need to take a quick break, uh, but after we come back, I want to talk about uh, advancements in the field of orthopedic uh, surgery. Great. So we'll be right back after these messages. Grandpa, can we do chemistry? Papa, Daddy. Grandpa, let's do something fun. We'll help you stay organized so you can focus on what really matters in life. Give us a call today and see how we can help you start saving taxes. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Dr. Alexander Saw. He is an orthopedic surgeon practicing here in Fremont, the Washington Healthcare System. And uh, Dr. Saw, I, the, the advancements in minimally invasive surgery have uh, really come a long way. Uh, I'd like to spend a few uh, minutes in this segment talking about, um, you know, that you know, right now it's it, a lot of what you do is outpatient. Correct. And then um, typically, how many surgeries will you do in a morning? Sure. So I'm fortunate in that I work at a center for joint replacement with a, a robust program where Myself, my anesthesiologist, the surgical teams, the physical therapists, all we do is joint replacement care. And so because of that, we can be very efficient and we can have very great outcomes as shown by various um, measures such as health grades or um, other, other um, consumer report and things like that. What you'll find is that when you do a high volume of surgery, both the hospital and the surgeon, when they're high volume, they tend to have better outcomes. And so for, since I've been here, my practice has been focused strictly on hip and knee replacement surgery. With that, we typically do eight joint replacements, if not more, in a single day. And that's because we can be efficient and because all the team members are focused on that care. With that, we can improve our outcomes and our protocols to really optimize it so people can recover as quickly as possible. As we had mentioned before, people traditionally were in the hospital for many days and had slower recoveries, but people nowadays want to return to work sooner. They want to get back to their life sooner. They want to travel they want to take care of their family sooner. And so with more rapid recovery after joint replacement with minimally invasive surgery, people are able to do so. And that's what's lend itself to outpatient joint replacement. I've been fortunate in that I've been able to lecture at our National Hip and Knee Society meetings on outpatient uh, joint replacement surgery. I also have published articles on how to achieve successful programs because it's not just the surgery. It's not just the pain management. It's not just the therapy. It's really a combination of all of these things where we have to pick the right patient, educate the patient well, make sure they're set up with appropriate care afterwards, and of course, have good surgery and good pain management. But all of these things have to be working well to give you that good end product of an outpatient joint replacement. So that's what I lecture to other surgeons. That's what I teach when I educate others that really emphasize the entire package so that people can have the best outcome. 
The screening of patients. How does a person know when they need to have the surgery? So that's a great question. That's what I've, I'm often asked. And joint replacement is an elective surgery. So it's not like other diagnoses where once you find out you have it, you have to have a surgery, you have to have a treatment. This is really a quality of life surgery, meaning when patients start to have their life that's impacted, they can't do the work they want to do. They can't walk the way they want to. They're modifying their activities because of their hip or knee pain. That's typically when they need to have some sort of intervention. They, of course, can start with over-the-counter medications like Advil or Tylenol. They can use a knee brace, for example, a walking stick. They can try injections. But at some point with an arthritic hip or knee, it gets, it gets to the point where they can't have the symptoms controlled anymore and they need surgical intervention. It's when their quality of life is impacted to the point that they need to have surgery. So it, the, the process, a person comes to you and says, I like to have surgery. And you're going to say, well, not so fast. What, what process do you walk a person through before you qualify them for the surgery? Right. So I love to do surgery, of course. And as a surgeon, we, we want to be in the operating room. However, I always tell patients, as good as these joint replacements are, it's never as good as having your own joint. So if I can do anything to help preserve that, we, of course, will try. So we want to make sure people have exhausted all their, their non-operative treatments first. And so as mentioned, the medications, the injections, the physical therapy, the bracing, all these things can be tried. But arthritis, unfortunately, only progresses. It only gets worse with time. All the modalities I just mentioned really help treat the symptoms. None of them are curative, meaning the pain, the limitations will progress at some point, And it's at that point that you decide to undergo the surgery. I'm visiting here today with Dr. Alexander Saw. He's an orthopedic surgeon here in, Was in, in the Washington Healthcare System, practicing in Fremont. I need to take another break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Grandpa, we found the golden stone. We have to watch out for the treasure guardian. Oh no, the treasure guardian! Since you can't take your wealth with you, spend time with your family. Groco, servicing family office needs since 1964. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today, Dr. Alexander Saw. He's an orthopedic surgeon here in Fremont. And uh, Dr. Saw, when when we're looking at knee replacement, uh, the patient should expect typically how long will that replacement last? That's a great question, Alan. I get that question a lot because previously, historically, patients would ask how long it would last, and we would tell patients you should wait as long as you possibly can and because they may only last 10 or 15 years. But those numbers are really more historic. These implants now have much better durability. They're being advanced all of the time. The materials are getting better and better. And so what you'll find is that patients actually are having surgery earlier and earlier, mainly because they want to maintain their active lifestyle. Life isn't guaranteed. Having Waiting 10 years to have your joint replacement may greatly affect their quality of life, whereas they could have their joint fixed and have a great quality of life right away. So the average age for joint replacement is decreasing because people are more active, people are living longer, and they wanna have a good quality of life. That being said, these materials we expect can last decades, we would hope. We have seen joint replacements last 20, 30 years even. Um, it's important to watch patients, monitor patients after joint replacement to make sure that they're not wearing or having an unforeseen um, complication of wear or loosening. But for the majority of joint replacements, they should last many, many years, if not decades. What's your oldest patient that you've done replacement on? That's a great question, too. Many times when I give lectures to communities or other, they will ask, well, when, how old? Is there an age that's too old or someone that's too young? 
really the youngest patient I've had has been in their 40s, and that's because they really required the surgery. They could ha hardly walk, and sometimes you have to do it. For the oldest patient, I actually had a 96-year-old man who walked in with a cane. He was not the healthiest person in the world, but he said, look, if I can't walk, I would rather not live. And so we had him medically optimized, did his surgery, and he loved it. Two years later at 98, he came back and had his other knee done. So age is really a number. It's about quality of life. Some 90-year-olds are healthier than some 70-year-olds. This patient did bring his 100-year-old sister to see me, but I did have to say we have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> but age really is just a number. It's more important how, what their physiologic age is rather than their chronologic age. Oh, give that guy a gold star for optimism. Exactly. <laughs> so the advancements of um, surgery, a lot of times people, you know, in, in the news, they talk about stem cells. Sure. What's your opinion? Stem cells is certainly a very hot topic. It sounds very intriguing, and that's where the future may lie. It's interesting in that it has so much promise, but the, the data out there is just not existent, to be frank. People are working on it. Stem cells, the reason it has such attraction is because people believe that we can direct those cells into becoming a certain type of cell. In our field of work, obviously, we're talking about cartilage cells. But unfortunately, stem cells or PRP injections, that's where you draw someone's blood and spin it down and inject it back in the knee. Some athletes are doing those kind of things. These biologic interventions, the data is just lacking. So people are trying it. It's available. But the reason no insurance covers it is because there's been no data to prove it. The reason it's an out-of-pocket expense is because these things really are mostly experimental. We don't have good data to show that it will regrow a cartilage cell, for example, or withstand the forces the moment you start to walk on that arthritic hip or knee. So it's still being investigated. I caution my patients to do their research and no harm will really be done. It's just they have to understand that they may not get a benefit. And because these things are very expensive, they need to weigh the pros and cons. It's probably not to be the first one in the pool trying experimental uh, research too. That's right. You know, it's, it's interesting, I guess I went through my knee replacement and even today I'm trying to figure out with my knee where the appliance is. I, I, you know, I, I can't feel screws. I can't feel, how do you attach these things? Right. So these joint replacements are meant to resurface that joint or replace that joint. So in the hip, it's a new ball and socket. In the knee, it's really resurfacing the ends of the bone. So knee replacement sounds a little awkward. It's not cutting out the entire knee. It's really resurfacing the, resurfacing the ends of the knee. So that where cartilage is missing, now you don't have bone rubbing on bone in the arthritic knee. It's metal on a, on a plastic surface. So that bearing will not cause pain. But they're really just a few millimeters thick in the knee, and it's just the idea is that it's going to recover and reshape the ends of the bone. And the idea is that it's the same shape and size of your knee when you had cartilage. So no bigger, no smaller, just to really recreate your natural anatomy, and that's why you don't notice it and you don't feel it as much. Similarly, in the hip, the hip ball and socket joint go exactly where the native ball and socket were. So typically people say it feels like their natural joint. I've seen these YouTube videos of knee replacements where they take the hammer and start. You don't do that, do you? Well, don't get me wrong. Orthopedics really is carpentry of the bone, if you will. So certainly we like our tools. As orthopedic surgeons, we have the saws, hammers, and drills as well. So that does go on with these joint replacements. Um, but as you experienced, you know, people can get up and start recovering right away. When you're doing eight surgeries in a day, now you got a team. They right. get everything ready. How long does it take you to do your piece. So fortunately to have a great team, to have the patient prepared, to turn over the room to get the next patient in line, right? It takes a lot of preparation and teamwork. The actual surgery itself, the total knee can be done in under an hour. 
So perhaps 50 minutes, a total hip, probably the same 50 to 60 minutes. So in a very short period of time, these patients have their joints replaced. They're in the recovery room for a couple hours and they're up walking on it within an hour after that. That is absolutely amazing. Right. So when we look at uh, uh, the Washington healthcare system right now, you have an option to go to an outpatient or the full gamut of the hospital has a specialized wing yes. over there. How do you decide who gets what? So at the main hospital, we have a three-floor building for our Center for Joint Replacement. It has 30 private rooms, and that's really designed for inpatients. So for people who are going to spend the night, they can stay there. The only people in that building are elective joint replacement patients, which means the only nurses and therapists in that building are taking care of joint replacement patients. So only healthy people are there, which obviously has a great impact on infection risk and other things. But for people who do not need to stay in the hospital for overnight, I, I I'm director of the outpatient joint replacement program. So I began that in 2014 at the outpatient surgery center across the street, where again, people can have joint replacement and go home in just a few hours. And so the benefit of that is they're not in a hospital at all, and they're going to be sleeping in their own bed the night of surgery. What percentage of people go through the outpatient with you? About 10 to 15% of my patients are doing outpatient surgery at the surgery center. But about 60 to 70% of patients are going home the next day or the same day from even the inpatient side. Mm -hmm. So um, when, you look at, uh, when you look at the future, I guess we got an aging population here. Of, of baby boomers. Do you see things getting a lot busier for you? We believe so. With people aging, with people wanting to be more active and wanting to be more active longer, we expect to see an exponential increase. So total knees in the United States, there are about 700,000 done uh, per year. It's expected to top 1 million in the upcoming years. So this is going to continue to increase as our, as our patients get. So Dr. South, for the listeners, how do they reach out to you for inquiring about their knee surgeries. Certainly. So they can call the office. The office phone number is 510-818-7200. My website has a lot of this information as, as well as contact information. And that website is www.sawortho.com, S-A-H-O-R-T-H-O. Either of those uh, avenues will help give them more information. Been visiting here today with Dr. Alexander Saw, orthopedic surgeon. Dr. Saw, thanks for being on today's show. Thank you, Alan, very much.